Welcome to the AI for Creative Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm Kira Hug, co-founder of the Copywriter Club. And on this show, my co-host, Rob Marsh, and I focus on helping you stay ahead of the curve. We'll show you how to use AI to maximize your creativity, simplify your work and life, and reinvent your creative career so AI works for you, not against you. Join us as we explore the intersection of AI, creativity, and career. Just because this podcast is all about AI, it doesn't mean we think you should be using it all the time. This week, our producer, Brandon Burton, joins us to share his thoughts on how creatives can stand out with and without AI. In this conversation, Brandon talks about how we can use AI to enhance creativity rather than replace it, how AI can help us demonstrate our values, and why we should be aware of AI feeling too easy. Brandon also explains what he does to avoid AI overwhelm, why it's worth being more deliberate when adopting AI, and the importance of thinking long-term when choosing the tools we use. But before we jump into the interview, this podcast is sponsored by AI for Copywriters and Creatives. This is your opportunity to learn how to confidently utilize generative AI tools without losing your creative voice, and it's an opportunity to get certified as a prompt engineer. Within five modules, you'll learn the 10 things you need to know before you write a prompt. You'll quickly discover over 100 writing tools. You can watch over-the-shoulder demos of different AI tools to see how they look and how you can use them in practice. You can also explore research, drafting, and editing techniques to enhance your writing skills using AI. So join 200 plus copywriters who are already leveraging AI as a creative partner by going to thecopywriterclub.com forward slash AI4C. All right, let's jump into the interview with Brandon. All right. So Brandon, I feel like the best place to kick this off, like we're at beginning of February, 2024. And I know I personally experienced a lot of burnout from 2023, just like many creatives experienced, not all, but many. And part of that was from AI. It wasn't just AI, um, but that was a big part of it. And we started this podcast. You're the producer. Like we went all in on this podcast and I wrapped up 2023 and I was like, I don't want to think about AI. I stopped listening and reading about it. I just was like, I can't, not because I'm not curious about it, but I think I just needed a break. And so I'm just wondering how you are doing if you've experienced that at different times, because you're even deeper in the world of AI and you've been there longer. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. I also felt like I had to kind of take a step back from trying to understand all parts of it. One, because so much of it feels like it's outside of our control or what we can influence or what we can actually implement. Um, it can get quite noisy, but also it does feel sometimes that I can just distract you from the day-to-day, -day, whether that's the day-to-day -day about life or of the businesses we're building. So some parts of it felt quite overwhelming. Some parts of it still feel like you can spend a lifetime trying to wrap your head around and still not quite get it. So, um, yeah, I think I've, I felt similar in trying to take a step back. Um, I remember one of the earlier episodes you guys did with Brittany Downey, I've been episode four or five, 
And she yeah. spoke about her just-in-time approach. And I think that's still extremely valid. It's just finding times when AI is important and when you can use it and when you need to dive into it. And then also knowing that, you know, it isn't the be-all and end-all and it shouldn't consume all of us. And then also just like finding a source of truth around AI. So like a way that you can stay plugged in without having to always feel the need to look for new things this isn't just like a lazy plug for the newsletter we send out but but, <laughs> but yeah generally just find something whatever it is and just yeah I don't know surrender to the idea that that's enough like you're gonna get enough information to move you forward and find something you can reference and go back to so that actually when when you do need to like use a tool or like find a solution to something you know where those things are um so like keep a catalog of things that you might find helpful yeah well i mean because you mentioned the newsletter when you are putting together the newsletter and that's something new ish right mm -hmm. just it's um relatively new yeah. what are you looking for as you curate and dig through resources and think about okay what's relevant like what should we pay attention to i know it's not always easy but you're the curator behind it. So how do you approach that? Um, I mean, the, the first thing is really is trying to limit the amount of information. I think the newsletter could be way longer, right? There could be a million pieces of information and news and different sorts of tests and try out. But I think trying to limit it to what feels actionable or worth knowing in that moment. A lot of the times it's what can change the way we think about AI. So I didn't even know a tool like this could exist. And therefore, if it can exist, what else could exist? So it might not even be that you that that is something that's I think or we think people are always going to click on and use and try to to like figure out themselves. But it might just be that it changes the way we think about artificial intelligence, which I think we're constantly having to do. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just it it's more like limiting than creating more information. I think I'm still in the space where I'm exposed to so much of this stuff or trying to expose myself to so, so much of this stuff but it's just actually what, what is useful what do creatives want to know about where does this stuff come and fit into the businesses we want to build and I think outside of that yes so much of it is, is is noise yeah and how are you using AI today and what you're doing in your in your business I mean obviously in the work we do together you're using it as a educational pathway through mm -hmm. the podcast and through the newsletter um, and through resources you've shared with our team to start thinking more efficiently about what we do. But like, what else are you doing with other projects and um, other clients you might be working with? So as you know, I don't use ChatGPT much or at all. Well, um, I know yeah. that, but I don't think we've talked about that on this podcast yet. Yeah. So I, I don't use chat. I can, I've very rarely used ChatGPT. I'd say in the last three maybe four five six months but I was pulled into it briefly when they first allowed us to create GPTs I was just curious I couldn't help myself so um I was trying to look at that previous to that I'd already been building like I suppose the best definition would be bots different flows or different ways that you can interact with knowledge bases and things like that and GPTs was a really tempting way to kind of explore that more um I haven't found it to be more useful than what I was doing, which is good, maybe. But I think the potential is there. And at some point, that's going to be probably one of the best use cases for AI in our industry. Um, a lot of the time, I'm, I'm using Claude. Claude's the large language model developed by Anthropic. And 
a lot of the time it is how can in fact almost all the time it's how can in my business or in other people's business can we accelerate something that's repeatable so if it's a task or a job or a writing project or an output that we need to get more than once it might be something that you're doing monthly or weekly or a task that you want to eliminate then it's how can you create this kind of multi-step workflows prompt chains using Claude um, to get rid of that and then I'm also trying to dabble in um, another LLM called Mixed Trial which is a open source model that I think is promising. Okay uh, a couple of different questions about all that so are you have you been able to gauge where there's interest in the marketplace right now from possibly like conversations or prospecting as far as what companies are looking for that you've reached out to? Are they looking for more writing efficiencies? Are they looking for us to step in and focus on different processes in their business? Initially, I remember when we had, you know, a lot of the tools and a lot of the, like the promise that this could replace writing. Um, and I think that is, you know, it's still the case in a lot of ways, certainly around content. But I think a lot of businesses have realized that there are challenges to asking like a single prompt to recreate something. So people are looking for systems or workflows to either tap into existing knowledge or to use examples and resources in quite a robust or like repeatable way. And I think that's where businesses um, and bigger businesses, the ones that I've spoken to are finding the most joy is where can we use AI to replace something that we're going to be doing anyway or to make it quicker to do the things that we're already doing um and i think for a lot of the times as creatives we're still finding that there is still value in the way that we think um because even if that doesn't go directly into the output it does go into the the process of creating that system or that workflow so what what does that opportunity look like for me as a you know as a creative as a writer um do I swoop in and like lean into the educational side and building out workflows and helping teams implement writing um, optimization with different AI tools? And I come in with like a, a blueprint that I could customize for their team and then I help educate and help train them? Or is it as simple as like a Google Doc that you create for them with some guidance? Or is are you building out the different uh, different chatbots? I think it I think it really depends. Um and there definitely is still room to build out chatbots for clients. If I take it back to like the GPT example, you can build a GPT for a client that could replace work you're already doing for them. So let's say you take people through a research process or clients generally take people through like an onboarding process or through a way that they make plans each month for a specific process. Um, a GPT can repeat that, but you have to be the one to build it. And in doing so, in the way that a lot of copywriters or service providers already are, we have to understand the business and interview certain people and understand what goes into that work in order to reproduce it. AI definitely gives us the opportunity to double down on our existing strengths. So if you're good at strategy, then AI is helpful at helping you work through that process. So there'll be a time, I'm sure, in the future where a lot of businesses will use artificial intelligence for their strategy work because if you're talking about information and planning around that information and factoring in different things, 
then artificial intelligence is already extremely good at that. But in the meantime, and I'm not sure that's that's close in terms of being trustworthy and reliable. Um, in the meantime, I think people who are strategists can use AI to develop more creative strategies. I think it's more about doubling down on what you're strung out. Um, I think writing is the same. I think it's difficult to make the case that like artificial intelligence doesn't create better outputs with the help of great writing ability. So I think like if you're a good writer and you can write really well and you have processes around that, then using artificial intelligence is an extra string to your bow. Um, and also helps you, and which is crucially important at the moment, helps you separate yourself from people who are using artificial intelligence about their writing ability. Because even as these tools develop, it's really easy and clear to see where those gaps are. Um, but using one without the other, I don't think is a competitive advantage. It's interesting, though, because I feel like that's true and that makes sense to me, but also seems like we aren't fully in our community of creatives, like we aren't mm. fully leaning into it yet and saying like I'm like I am using AI with my writing I feel like there's still at least in conversations I'm having it feels like it's there's still some shame around it like that hasn't disappeared fully and I'm curious if you're seeing that too but it's like okay well it's okay to use AI for research or for strategy or for idea generation or maybe even like okay for headlines but there still seems to be some shame around like saying you use it as a writer and I've leaned into where I'm like I'm using it as a writer quite often uh, not all the time and I think there's a place where I'm figuring out the line where it's not a place where I want to use it it might be okay developing my own book novel memoir like that's might be a place where I don't want to use it yeah, yeah. But I'm still figuring out that line too, because then I'm, I'm thinking through, I'm like, well, if there's a way for me, if I'm struggling with a paragraph in my own novel and I can't quite nail the transition, why don't I go to one of these tools to help me with that transition? Like, is, is that souring the entire work, creative work, because I use it specifically in certain use cases within this creative um, body of work that I'm developing? And I think it still feels really fuzzy. And again, there's still seems like we're we're very cautious, at least as writers, to lean fully in client facing and say, I am using these tools. And I'm not like I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, I'm still a writer. I'm still talented. I'm still a strategist, but I am using these tools to develop the writing because it's better because of it. And that does not take away from my skill set as a writer. Um, yeah. Maybe that's just like my small circle. <laughs> I'm pulling from no I, th- I think I mean I think there's two sides of that um probably both are equally valid one is when we lead with AI or say that we use AI do clients trust or associate that with a higher standard of work or more options around what we can produce and is that something we can better articulate or are we just on this curve where a lot of people still aren't trusting this or have tried it themselves and think AI is useless and so therefore if you use AI you must be useless too so there's probably work to do around that. And how do we as an, in- as an industry shift to this being just this thing that we all use? And maybe we don't all have to claim that we're AI powered because actually we just will use AI. And, and if we aren't using it, then it's no longer like, this is the norm, this is what we all do. And I think we'll get there eventually, but I think we've had, again, that curve where we've seen clients try to replace us with the technology oftentimes fail or get worse results at a much cheaper price, admittedly. And then therefore 
not think that this is something that can benefit their business. Um, I think the second part of it is like how we feel about it as creatives. Like, and I've got, I've definitely gone through that journey myself. Um, especially when it comes to work or stuff I'm doing for myself or in my own business. I think I'll use AI a lot, but when it comes to writing, that's often where I have like this block. It's often where I feel, well, I consider myself a writer, maybe first and foremost. So therefore, if I'm using artificial intelligence to help with my writing or to support it, am I still a writer or does it still count? Um, and honestly, I don't know if there's a solid answer for that because I think we all have our own different lines that we draw. I would probably say that I'm always looking for ways that artificial intelligence can enhance my creativity. So what can it help me do that I couldn't have done before? So as an example, I remember this was a few years ago, I got asked to write like a welcome sequence and it was to segment different audiences. And because of the way it was written, in each email, there's a separate section in each email. And that section might only be like a paragraph or two, but you're looking at hundreds of different variations across those emails. Now, artificial intelligence coupled with writing ability would either accelerate that or mean you could do even more in that process. So instead of me writing 100 and odd different pieces of copy, you can use artificial intelligence to take what you're already doing and to create those variations that you can then tweak however. I've been working on like a creator and adventure story for quite a while. And on the other side of the argument about, I don't know, maybe a year ago, I used ChatGPT to help me figure out all those different directions and paths I got to. And I was super impressed with how I did it. And then I just felt like, well, I didn't do this at all. You know, <laughs> I'm using mid journey for the images and I'm using ChatGPT at the time for all the different variations and time story together. And I can then go in and, and edit it so it, it reads like I wrote it and I can add to the story and I can refine it. But fundamentally, the underlying story didn't feel like it was mine. It felt like someone else wrote it for me and I was editing it. So I just think there's different ways that we draw those lines. And I think that the most important thing is that we remember why we did that work in the first place. So if, if the work really is to get clients better results and an AI tool is helping you do that, I don't think that diminishes our ability as service providers, as people who create results for clients. I think if, you're, if your intention is to be creative, is to explore your own creativity, is to put your mark on the world, then I, <laughs> then yeah, I, th I think we're limited in how we can use AI or we have to really think outside the box and consider actually, what can I do with AI that someone else can't do? Or where can I use AI in an, in a, in an innovative way that actually is still pushing boundaries, is still putting my mark on the world where am I combining tools that other people aren't? So I think there's always opportunity around it, but um, yeah, I've definitely felt both of those challenges myself. And I think, and, and honestly, I think the biggest barrier still currently is how potential clients see AI, because I think it's split down the middle. I think many of them see it as, if I don't jump on this now, I'm losing out. And a lot of them see it as, you're wasting my time if you think that you and your... <laughs> little bag of tricks can replace these really important things that we do so I, I think it goes both ways yeah yeah I I think you said that so well and that's something that I felt too just the difference between the two if this is for a client then my job is to get my ego out of the way and not have to show up as like the writer the artist but to actually just do the job the best I can and if that involves bringing in 
collaborators, whether they're humans or robots, yeah. like that's my job to get the best output and the best results for my client while, you know, adhering to whatever I promise them. Like if it's a great customer experience, like doing that as well. Uh, I think our egos get in the way as creatives. Like I think that side of us that is on the in the other arena, which is like, I am a creative, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, which might yeah. not be business, it might be your hobby, or it could be a different part of your business where you're publishing content or your future business, publishing books or art. Um, I think that that side of us like gets in the way with our client services business because it jumps over and it's like, wait, no, no, you still have to be the artist, but yeah. you don't. Whereas like with your creative book, the choose your own adventure, that sounds like it wasn't necessarily for your marketing services business. It was more of a creative project for you as a human. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think the other side of the ego thing as well is that like one thing I'm very wary of is anytime it feels too easy to do something. I mean, generally in life, but definitely with AI, that, that, that is like a red flag. Like if this is too easy, if, because because essentially if I can do it with this then anyone can and I think the other side of like the ego conversation is we're all really trying to protect these professions that we have for ourselves like I want copywriting or whatever it is that we do to last and to, to grow like from a human perspective I don't want it to be replaced and so if the output I get was easy enough to do using an AI tool or a combination of them or you know a couple of prompts that I got from somewhere else and actually where 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 was the human challenge where was the bit that I could still say well actually I added value to that I did the thing that someone else couldn't do um and there's there's definitely instances where like I think it's okay to push back creatively or not and say actually I don't want to use AI here because I want to make sure that the output I get that like the process I go through is completely unique to me um, and again, that ties back to the to the idea of using quite repeatable processes in businesses or of like publishing GPTs for people to use. It's that we can really turn a lot of what we do in our processes into commodities, into these things that like anyone can repeat and anyone can use. And we can create really high standards. We can do really good work with some of this stuff. But then it's just publicly available and it's out there and anyone can do it. And then, well, where is the space for other service providers? Or where is the room for like growth or diversity or like new ways of thinking if we can just say here is how you write a landing page here is you know a bot that can help you create the perfect landing page here is the inputs you need in order to get there and 90 percent of people will think well that will get me to a great landing page or a great whatever the deliverable is and i think there's certain things that that will still won't fall under that but there aren't many and it, and that will Probably increasingly smaller so I think yeah if AI feels easy or the output felt easy to go with AI then I think that's a that's a danger then yeah so if it's feeling easy we should be cautious is that what you're saying if it's starting to feel easy we should be aware and think about how to add more humanity to what we're doing so that it's not um something that could be replaced yeah I, yeah I'd say so I think we're yeah, we're getting closer to the point where we're allowing it to replace us or we're creating like a smaller gap between what we can do and what artificial intelligence can do. So I think you're yeah, always finding a way to add complexity or to challenge yourself to even just project by project. By project. Like, what can I do on this project that I didn't do last time? What this time is going to make it feel 
like the output is more varied or someone else couldn't just take this and run with it. So, and I think the difference there is what we do for a client. So how do you speed up their processes internally versus what we do on a client by client basis? Like what do you do each and every time? Because if you can do it each and every time quickly and repeatably, then someone else can. And we're, yeah, we're at that point where again, all this information is really easy to swap and trade and like repeat. So if if we aren't adding something really unique to it with AI, it just makes us more vulnerable, which I think has kind of been a theme for the last year or so. So maybe it is bringing in more of that artist into this client services, which is the opposite of what I was saying. Maybe it's like, we do need to add that artist back in at different times to keep it unique so that we are not, we don't turn into commodities. Yeah. And we'll have conversations all the time around actually, I add unique value because this is my process. Well, I think those are maybe less protected than maybe we thought they were or a way of working with clients, which maybe will become less important as those experiences again can be repeated. But it could just be around the way you think about a problem, or it could be around the fact that, and you and Rob made the point in the previous um, episode around the fact that some people are going to be purists. They're not going to touch AI. They're not going to use it. Or like, for instance, like I said, I, I don't use open AI for like a myriad of reasons as often as I can. But why and, and what does that add to clients and where do I communicate that and where's the added value for them or what does that help them say about the work that they produce? So I think it's just about if we are just like blindly saying, oh, this tool works or that prompt works. Yeah, I don't think that makes us safe, especially as all these tools and like technologies kind of get amalgamated a little bit more. And like a lot of the bigger tech platforms are making these tools a lot easier for everyone to access. Do you think it's enough for us to show up with great customer service um, and creating excellent experiences for our clients and to be client facing? And is that enough to separate us and help us from disappearing as a species here, as a copywriting species? Or is it not really enough? Like it's important, but it's not truly enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the second one. It's definitely important. It's definitely yeah. important. It can't not be. And naturally clients will differ again. Some will have like a, a real like hesitation around AI and will want as much human interaction as possible. But I don't think service is still like just strictly in our domain. I think people can get quite reliable work from, if not from AI, from someone less trained who's using AI, from someone who's following a specific process. So I think a lot of these things have now become maybe even more important that you can guarantee a level of service or you can guarantee a level of output or you can do a lot of the basics right um but yeah i think ai is closing that gap i think about like um like online courses i think about like digital education i think the bar on that has all been raised significantly with ai because a lot of us now have access to a lot of the same information there are tools that can turn a lot of those things into modules and video lessons and scripts and so I think at that point it then becomes well actually if we all have similar information or can I get access to similar information and we can all deliver relatively high quality courses or all impart the same knowledge even if we're not experts because that's what we're seeing a lot more of now that even people who aren't subject experts can teach certain things because they have access to it then I think it's just about, again, then it comes down to what you said around service, but then about experience and 
implementation and accountability and personalization. And I think we're, we're still very well placed to do that. We can still do that really well. People who are already in these spaces have put in and always, they know what needs to be done and where to differentiate themselves. But I think it's it's a lot harder to, and and it should be. I'm, I'm not a question that I think it's a lot harder to either charge loads for something that other people could access, or I think it's a lot harder to justify knowledge as like it's own commodity but that's that, I think that's a nice challenge to have I think most of these challenges are nice challenges to have I think in a lot of times you can look around an industry or like anything and see actually where maybe we've got a bit complacent or we haven't pushed standards enough and this just forces us to do that I think service delivery is another one you guys have spoken about this for years as well when you hand over copy deliverables you walk people through it you explain it and you educate people on why you've made choices and things like that and those things are important and actually that helps to separate your work from someone else's work who's just delivered something with chat gpt so i think it's like how you deliver how you implement how you make sure that thing is actionable or implementable um i think that's the challenge that ai has created for people who actually know what they're doing so i think again i think it's a nice challenge to have yeah, I think about even a client I'm working with now and before we haven't even jumped into the messaging portion, the writing portion, but it's just purely like the onboarding process yeah. and um, that it's not AI integrated at this point. I'm not quite there yet, but it's just simply like walking through the intake form, answering those questions as a client, receiving the first kickoff email from me and like just starting a project and um that's an opportunity to differentiate right before mm -hmm. we even jump into the actual deliverables is to like make it really human make it easy to understand make it exciting for your client um ask them questions in the intake form that help them feel seen i think that was the comment my client said was just like oh i feel really like seen and heard from this process so far and we haven't even officially started so i think like those are the pieces that we it's easy to overlook especially with yeah. onboarding, offboarding, those little details that were like, ah, just have to get through it. But like, that's where you can really stand out and um, keep it human, um, even as we develop more and use more AI tools. Yeah, I, th I, th I think that's huge. And like, I'm sure you're speaking to and about service providers who are already thinking along those lines. I want to shift and talk about OpenAI because we've mentioned it a couple of times and you said that you don't use ChatGPT frequently um, or at all uh, and OpenAI products. And so I'm just curious. I mean, I know a little bit because we've talked about this before, but like, why are you not using OpenAI? Um, let's just start there. The first thing I would say is it's not that I don't use OpenAI because I think it's almost impossible to avoid. Most tools that have AI built into them are using an OpenAI model. And whether it's for myself or for clients, sometimes it's very difficult to avoid. But if I use like an LLM, especially through like an API, I'll choose a different model than a, a, an OpenAI model, a GPT-3 or 4 model. Um, and like I say, if I'm looking to use AI as a chatbot, essentially, then I'll try to use Claude. Or if it's for information, I'll try to use Perplexity with a different LLM. I think the biggest concern um, and this is coming from someone who was a massive fan of the idea of OpenAI going back a few years, is that OpenAI was essentially created because 
people saw the direction AI was going in. They saw that you had companies like Google and Facebook and maybe Apple who were sat with all this customer information, all this data and all this computing power and thought we cannot allow, and Microsoft, we cannot allow big tech to just take over AI like it has with maybe other stuff because we know what that direction looks like. So OpenAI was basically like the counterweight to that. It was like the force to go against that. The idea was that it was open source and it wasn't for profit. Um, and we've just seen that will kind of be eroded. I think the way that they train their models is quite problematic. As opposed to say like other companies, they they use workers in Kenya. They pay them like a dollar an hour um, to like reinforce a lot of the, I suppose the worst content that comes through. So when you get like a response to something and it says maybe this isn't something that we should be doing. At some point, someone had to go in and correct that. Um, and that's 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 proven to be quite problematic, traumatic work uh, and unnecessary work. Other, other models um, called, for example, don't don't use that method at all. I think, and I know we spoke about this last time, I think we're at this point where we really have to be quite deliberate about what we use AI for and how we use AI. And um, if we're expecting clients to trust us to use it, then who are we trusting to build it right? And I think without going into all the details, maybe on this episode, there's enough examples where maybe we can't trust or shouldn't trust what we've been told. And I don't mean that to sound like super controversial. I'll give an example. As I said before, OpenAI is supposed to be like not-profit and they changed that model. They took like, I think at the time, initially it was like $10 billion worth of investment from Microsoft, um, gave up a load of their business, the stake in their business and essentially control like exclusive access to Microsoft, which really goes against what they initially said. This is supposed to be a company that was trying to build general intelligence for everyone. Um, which, which doesn't really work when you're giving priority access to one company. Um, a part of that agreement they have with Microsoft is that everything up until general intelligence, AGI, Microsoft have exclusive priority access to, um, which shouldn't be too, too problematic, but it creates this problem where if you're Microsoft, you want to use everything OpenAI have, so you don't want to get to AGI because everything they have is yours until they get to that point. If you're open AI, you're quite keen to announce AGI as soon as possible because then everything past that point is yours. So while AGI is quite this like fluid definition, we have companies who are telling us they're doing one thing, but doing another separate too, but including like all the issues that we had a couple of months ago with Sam Ullman and the board and all that stuff, we have like, really contradicting statements coming out of OpenAI about what their technology is likely to do and the impact it's going to have. We have like, if I go back to the GPTs again, um, there's been multiple examples of people really being, it's been really easy to go into like a GPT and prompt it to give you all the information that went into training that model. So for instance, if you create a GPT, someone else could go in there and get all the source information or all the original instructions that you gave it to create that GPT which is problematic even for us as creators or service providers, but it's especially problematic if that is really private information or is confidential or is maybe even borderline dangerous in all the wrong hands. And I think the biggest issue isn't that they've gone and had that as a weakness, it's that they haven't been upfront about it. They haven't tried to correct it publicly. They haven't really consistently outside of maybe 
quite transparent public relations try to be proactive about safety, which was again a really important part of their charter. Um, whereas other companies have. So I think it's just around if I think artificial intelligence is a really important force and could be important and is only going to grow and there's real there's a real possibility of it being dangerous or helpful on a sliding scale. I think it's just about saying what version do I want and then backing up with like the technology I use because this isn't going anywhere. And so I think it's important to kind of put our stake in the ground and say, actually, I in, in the future, I want in the way that I want AI to develop. Here are the things that are important. We should be prioritizing safety. This shouldn't be like a tool that is laser focused on generating money for a small amount of people. This should be something that, you know, um, people are proactively trying to um, make more safe. I know Anthropic have got a team that actively try to prove all their assumptions wrong. Like they hire people internally who are consistently challenging what they do. You look at other companies and they're getting rid of their safety and their ethics and their responsibility teams. Um, and like I say, I, I think it's just important to say if this is what's important in the long run, because actually right now, most of these tools in terms of their capabilities, they're not that different. You can use Mixtrout, the French company, you can use Meta's Llama model, which Microsoft also use, you can use ChatGPT. You're going to get relatively similar, similar results. You can use different image tools. There isn't enough in it that you're going to make a concrete decision based on output. I think the decisions to be made are still around what you want the future to look like. So if I think that research and safety and putting people first is important, then I'm going to pick models that that represent that. And, and I think it's only right to question ones that maybe don't. But in the same way, I'm not going to tell everyone else what to do with AI. I actually think AI adoption and research around AI and trying to understand it and get to the point where you can make those decisions is far more important than not using it. So using it first and foremost is, is important. But then I think beyond that, it then is about making, just like almost all consumer decisions are, then it's about making as sensible or balanced decisions as we can based on nothing else but the worldview we have or the things that we that we think are important. Yeah, I think I think that's a really excellent point to make. And that's something that we've talked about. And it's stuck with me as far as what I'm using. And can I stand behind that company? I think there are different times where I've struggled because I'm like, I don't believe in any of these companies. I don't <laughs> know if I trust any of them or like any of the founders or so yeah. then then it's like where do I go? But I agree, Anthropic is seems like one of the um, more ethical companies out there today that um, I can stand by right now. And so I do try to use that model and use Claude when I can because of that reason. Uh, it's not to say I, I don't personally use ChatGPT, but I do consider it and do try to use different tools just so I'm not glued to one that maybe I do disagree with fundamentally at a company level and don't want to necessarily support more than I have to. I think that's a big part of it as well is that if you imagine that open ai is essentially you know nearly 50 percent microsoft and then you have google's model and facebook's model and i think just having a choice having something different and allowing these companies to grow and not be there's different bills and like um regulations that i think will limit the amount of companies that can grow and can build enough computing power and will have enough access to data to build these models. I think supporting the idea that there should be more choice 
Anthropic is basically people who used to work at OpenAI who decided that OpenAI wasn't what OpenAI said it would be. And Anthropic's not perfect. Like there are enough issues and like stuff around that that don't make it a perfect company. But I think it is just around what better supports that. And because, because again, these things really don't feel like maybe they matter too much now and we don't see the impact of, but if in five, 10 years, we have three companies who are dominating artificial intelligence, we don't get to have much of a say on how they do that. And we haven't put restrictions in place and we haven't created enough competition and we haven't, you know, essentially cast our vote somewhere else, then we, we end up in the same place we've ended up in with big tech generally, which is that these companies do what they want. <laughs> yeah. So just to kind of wrap that up and wrap up this conversation, mm -hmm. like the one thing we can do, because it's easy to feel out of control or not out of control, like we don't have control in this situation, at least for me, that's how I often feel. Um, mm -hmm. Especially as these companies get bigger and bigger and have more and more power. But you're saying the best way we as business owners, as creatives, as consumers can make a change is just by being careful with what tools we select. And maybe even we didn't touch on this as heavily, but like talking about it in value statements in our own marketing. And really, that's a whole other area we can talk about in the future. But just, okay, I don't use open AI and I'm going to talk about it on my website and create that connection with prospects around why I don't use it and um, and share that message um, at a larger scale too. Yeah, 100%. I think the, I don't I don't um, have a section on the website, but I talk to all potential clients when I introduce AI around the model that I prefer uh, and even explore that conversation with them because again, it's like most things, we can say that we believe a thing, we can claim to have particular values but it really does allow us to demonstrate and to like show off what our values are so I think yeah it is around educating people it is about um you know trying different tools but fundamentally I would say just if you only ever use chat GPT for everything you do one it makes you quite vulnerable because even though they feel like they're here to stay there's you know there's court cases right now against open AI in Poland in Italy if that access went away tomorrow what would you be using instead? So even just for your own sake, vary what you use, but also vary what you use so that you are in the best position to make informed decisions and to like choose the one that has the most sustainable path to where we're inevitably going to end up. I'm going to share a tool that um, I heard about. I need to give credit to the Marketing AI podcast uh, which is where I heard about it. And it's so fun. I don't know, Brandon, if you've experimented with it, it's like, it doesn't have a name that I can find. It just has a URL, which I, maybe there's a name I'm missing here, but it's chat.lmsys.org. And it's basically like this chatbot arena where you can put different chatbots against each other to find the best output. And it's this really cool project where um, the the creators of it are trying to assess which which platforms and AI uh, platforms are the best, um, and you can rank it. And for me, it's just really cool because I get multiple outputs when I need something. So I get two very different outputs. Sometimes they're not that different, and it allows me to get away and move away from just using one tool if I get in a rut where I'm just using what Claude, whatever. It allows me to see 
the output from other tools that maybe I didn't even know about um, or hadn't heard about yet. And so it's something that's definitely worth checking out. It's free and it's actually really fun because it's set up as like this really fun battle. And so um, it's worth exploring if you want to get the best output and also see like what's happening with the latest, the latest uh, AI platforms. I love that that exists because again, it just shows that GPT-4 is probably still the most powerful model but it allows people to see directly in the output that a lot of these models are quite similar in terms of quality. And it allows you to, like you said, just get exposed to different models. All right. Well, we're going to wrap for today. And um, I want to thank you, Brandon, for not only producing this show and putting it together, um, but also just for sharing all of your insights, uh, especially around just the ethical approach to using these tools and thinking about how our choices do matter, even when it feels like they don't. I think that's really empowering, um, at least for me. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Kara. Thank you. And where can our listeners go if they want to connect with you or reach out to you? You can connect with me and any of the stuff I'm building at mrbrandonburton.com. I want to thank Brandon for joining us to talk through his thoughtful approach to using AI. I hope his emphasis on using AI in a way that aligns with our values and our skill sets empowers you to guide the AI landscape and your business in a positive direction. If you want to connect with Brandon or learn more about what he's up to, visit mrbrandonburton.com. And remember, you can jump into our AI for Copywriters course at thecopywriterclub.com forward slash AI4C. That's the end of this episode of AI for Creative Entrepreneurs, a Copywriter Club podcast produced by Brandon Burton. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please leave a review of the show on your podcast app so we can reach other creative entrepreneurs who are interested in exploring AI. By the way, if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, of curated AI tools, news, and recommendations by visiting AIforcreativeentrepreneurs.com. Thanks for listening and see you soon.